Hey, what's up there, Warrior? It is Jeff here from Warrior Life, and welcome to podcast episode number 442. Now, I know that every gun owner out there takes their Second Amendment rights very seriously, and it is a constant struggle to maintain our freedom and be able to protect ourselves and those we love. But our politicians aren't the only ones who could strip you of your rights. In fact, it's far more likely that you will be the one who will ultimately keep you from ever owning a firearm again. And you may not even realize the damage that you've already done and maybe continue to do right now. Now, I'll explain what you may be doing, how not to do it, and even how to undo any mistakes that you may have already made. Now, all that and more coming right up. But first, don't forget that we have taken all the notes for today's show for you, and you can download them absolutely free as a one-page cheat sheet from our Loot Locker section of the Academy. All you have to do is go to warriorlife.com loot to get these and a whole bunch of other handy training resources for you. And now, let's talk tactics. Tactical Firearms Training. Urban Survival. Close Quarters Combat. Welcome to the show that helps you better prepare for any threat you may face in your role as a protector and a patriot. This is the Warrior Life Podcast. Hey, what's going on, Warrior? Jeff Anderson here, Executive Director of WarriorLife.com and the Warrior Life Academy. All right, so I want you to imagine that you're walking back to your car after stopping in to grab like a gallon of milk at a corner store in a part of town that you don't normally frequent. Now, there's a blown out bulb, so it's dimly lit in the area where you're parked, but you can still make out the silhouettes of three men that are sitting down on the curb near the front bumper of your vehicle as you walk in that direction, fumbling for your keys. Now, suddenly, the men stand up, and two of them are standing in place, smoking a cigarette, as the other starts walking in your direction toward the front of the store. Now, you're kind of leery of how close he's going to be coming to you, and as a nearby vehicle passes you can get a better look at the man's face. Unshaven, he's got tattooed arms, he's got tattoos on his neck, but you're also able to make out the glimmer of a folding knife clipped to the man's front pocket. So you go on high alert, keenly aware of the feel of your handgun on your hip and rehearsing in your mind how you're going to draw your weapon at the first sign of trouble. As he gets closer, you make eye contact with the man. You can see the intention in his eyes. And he sees that you see. His hand goes to his pocket. His fingers are covering up the outside of the clip. His his thumb sinking inside of his pocket, obviously positioning himself to draw his blade. When you hear his grave voice asking you if you have any extra change to help him get some smokes. So keeping your distance, you tell him no. And you ask him to back off, just like let you get to your car. And in response, the man pulls out his knife. He quickly snaps it open in a threatening manner, and he demands that you hand over your wallet and the contents of your pockets. Now, with no way of turning back, you throw the gallon of milk at him, distracting him and taking him off balance for the only time that you need to rip up your shirt and draw your firearm. Now, the man recovers, he begins to charge at you, and you begin pulling the trigger. Eyes wide open as you watch him stagger forward. He's phased, but not out of the fight. Your two shots to his upper body weren't enough, but you have a clear shot to his head and you take it and you hit the mark. The man falls backwards, immediately dropping his knife as he, as he hits the pavement motionless and his companions just take off out of the parking lot. So you do the responsible thing. You call 911 and when the police arrive, a few minutes later, you tell them the bare bones of your story, that the man approached you, you noticed the weapon in his pocket, he threatened you verbally and physically, 
and you were in fear for your life. You had no other choice but to draw your weapon and fire. So the officer taking the report asks you to stay where you are, and he walks back to the other cars where the bright lights are flashing, and you can see two other responding officers talking with the other two men who are hanging out with the attacker before the shooting. Suddenly, two officers make their way back toward you, and they tell you that the other men have made a statement that you were never threatened, and you just opened fire on their friend. They say that he never drew his knife, and he was just going back into the store for a pack of smokes when you freaked out, killing their buddy in cold blood. And you leave the scene in the back of a police car. Now, let's fast forward a few months and a few mountains of attorney bills that you have, and you're facing charges for manslaughter. And it's a verdict that could put you behind bars and make you a felon for life. Now, fortunately, with the weapon on the scene and your spotless record up against the testimony of the attacker's two companions who were with him, both with criminal records, your claim of self-defense is pretty much a foregone conclusion. You've got everything working in your favor until the DA receives a paper from his legal aid, and then you're called back to the stand. And the DA asks you, if you had the intent to kill this father of four that you had shot, wondering to the jury if maybe you were looking, just looking for the opportunity, not just to shoot someone with your gun, but to kill them, firing multiple rounds and actually shooting this guy in the head. Well, of course not. That's what your response would be back to the court, right? Like he threatened me and I and he pulled a knife on me. I was in fear for my life and I only shot until he was no longer a threat, which is when I stopped pulling the trigger. So the DA responds, well, that kind of puzzles me, sir, because on the Warrior Life blog a few months ago, they had posted an article about a homeowner who was arrested for firing his weapon when confronted by a gang who was threatening the lives of him and his family. And you commented, and I quote, If a person is threatening you and you see a weapon on them, shoot to kill if you have to, because you can claim they showed you the weapon, followed by reaching for it to pull it out. A dead man can't argue with you in court. So which is it, sir? Were you lying then or are you lying now? All right. Now, for you, the listener right now, while I'm sure that you can envision this attack, you probably played it out in your mind a million times of how you would how you would respond to this. I find that most gun owners, especially those who are licensed to carry a concealed handgun for protection, don't also consider all the ways that you can be convicted of a felony even if you feel you were 100% justified to shoot to save your life. I can tell you that most gun owners only think that they know the law. They think they do. And Pretty much all that comes down to is simply just telling responding officers to a shooting that you were in fear for your life and then you just shut up and that you want to speak to a lawyer so that you don't say anything in the aftermath of the shooting that can be interpreted as anything other than a justified response, a legal response to a violent attack on your life. But here's a critical fact that you have to face. Your right to remain silent only applies to what you say or don't say after you're arrested. However, everything that you have ever said before that can still be used against you. And that includes both verbal comments as well as things that you say online. Now, I tell you this because I recently posted an article on our site 
about the earlier incident where a homeowner was confronted by a gang outside of his home and he was arrested for firing warning shots to make the gang members move out after threatening him and his family. Now, there were some valuable legal lessons in that article, but it was in the comments that were left on that blog post where I think the real valuable lessons are, because one of them was the quote that I just shared with you in the fictional courtroom setting. And that comment wasn't the only one. In fact, here, here are some of the other comments that were left on that same story by readers on our blog. Always better to be judged by 12 than carried by six. I will warn with an exposed weapon only once, and then one to two rounds in each attacker until they are all dead, or I run out of ammunition, or I am dead. Another commenter said, shoot the leaders and as many as you can kill. Yes, kill. The more you kill, the more justified you were in defending your family. And another commenter said, he should have shot them all and let God sort them out. Now, I'm pretty sure that those who left these comments are going to be listening right now because they're obviously following our information, you're following our blog, you're following our work. So if that's you, I want to start off by saying that, first of all, your comments have been deleted from the blog so that they are no longer there. And this is not a judgment of your character, your knowledge, or to embarrass you in any way, shape, or form. No one is ever going to know who you are, and we delete these types of comments anytime that we see them for your protection. But we only have control over our blog and the comments that you leave on our site, which is why I wanted to use these comments to help you and everyone else that's listening understand how you could be setting yourself up for a guilty conviction, even if you don't fire your weapon, based upon the comments that you make that could come back to haunt you. Even if you just show your weapon, Without even drawing and firing your weapon, you could be found guilty of a felony that could strip away your freedom and your right to ever own a weapon again. So let me share with you four things that you must understand to avoid finding yourself in this situation, even if you have already left these types of comments splattered all over the interwebs and on social media before. Yes, you can undo the damage if you know the right way, which starts with tip number one, which is all lives matter. Now, this isn't some political statement that I'm making here, and you can call me a bleeding heart liberal if you want, but ask any police officer or soldier who's had to watch someone die with a bullet from their weapon, even when their target was trying to kill them, ask them about the reality of taking somebody's life. Now, I'm not saying don't pull the trigger if your life is in danger. I mean, you very well may have to shoot in order to save your life or the life of someone else that you love. What I am saying is to avoid stroking your ego with making bold statements, especially online, about what you would do. Because I can tell you from experience that you don't know what you would do until you're actually in that situation, no matter how much training you have ever done. And the psychological scars that you may feel about taking somebody else's life and, and making orphans of their kids because of your actions, they are long lasting. Which brings me to tip number two, which is to save the sarcasm and the jokes. So I'm sure everyone has experienced a misunderstanding in your life where you you thought someone said something to you, but they meant something completely different, right? Anybody that's married has ever been through, has been through that multiple times, I can promise you. Well, the possibility of a misunderstanding online or in text messages is even more likely. So remember, your sarcasm can't be seen on a computer screen or printed out 
on paper for a jury to read. Your sarcasm is not going to come through. So when the, the DA or the judge holds up a printout of your blog comment about how all those little dirt bags would be pushing up daisies in my backyard if they ever tried that with me, it is not going to be read with a snicker and a giggle to the jury. It's going to be read as if you're the neighborhood gun nut who should be locked up before you can strike again and kill some other unsuspecting victim of your rage. So don't try to be cute online and also watch how you respond to other people's comments and posts and memes and things like that. So if you see some funny meme online that shows an indifference to life or something else that could be, you know, that would look very bad in court, be very conscious about what you say, what you comment, even if you clicked on like on anything that supports their basically ignorance of the law and doesn't support your claims about what an upstanding, respectful citizen that you are. All right. So that probably means that right now you are racking your brain thinking about the thousands of comments that you've left over the years and you're figuring out you're pretty much screwed at this point with all the landmines that you've already left out there. But I did say in the beginning here that you can't undo the damage to a certain extent and you don't have to necessarily locate all those comments and track them all and have them all taken down because tip number three is to methodically reverse your public image. So what I mean by that is to continue to post comments on blogs like ours and others that are out there where you see these use of force type stories posted. It can actually help you by posting these comments because as your past comments can be used against you, the comments that you make now can be used to show that you've changed your views. So now, I mean, I would say it would even be more helpful if you do know where some of those comments are, go ahead and reach out to those site owners and ask them if your comments can be removed. Um, I'll tell you, this is super easy to do. Most of them are going to do it. I mean, it's just simple to go inside and just find the comment and just get rid of it if you're the, if you're the website owner. And if they do get taken down, then great. But either way, you know, just keep a record of your request so that you can use it to further show how you don't believe the same as your previous comments. Now, the other thing that I'll say here is that you actually have to know your legal responsibilities in a self-defense shooting. And what I find is that most gun owners just don't. And that's why only about like 30% of those that take our bulletproof video quiz, um, only about 30, only about 30% of them. And what happens is like you're allowed to choose your responses to three common threat scenarios. And they're actually, it, they're done in video. So it's like a choose your own adventure sort of thing. And but only 30% of the people actually score well enough to come out with the score that lets them stay home with their families. A lot of people are going to make mistakes that are going to put you in the morgue or they are going to put you in prison. So if you haven't taken that quiz, you really should test yourself. And you can check it out online. You can just It's free. You can just go to warriorlife.com slash bulletproof. It'll take you over there. And then test yourself out. I think what you'll find is that the decision to shoot or not shoot isn't as easy as you think it is. And the lines aren't always so black and white with how you're allowed to respond in the eyes of the law. Which brings me to tip number four, which is you must adopt a legal mindset. So I'll tell you, I, I think it is completely irresponsible for any gun owner to not fully understand the correct legal justification of when you can draw and use your weapon for self-defense. And I don't care how experienced you think you are or how often you go to the range and shoot. I have talked to hundreds of shooters who know everything there is to know about the nomenclature of every gun out there. And they're, 
you know, they, they, they laugh at people who use the word clip instead of magazine. But they still fall prey to all kinds of legal misinformation that's floating around the gun world out there. And attorneys love numbskull gun owners who do not understand the legal system because they are going to run circles around you on the stand unless you can intelligently explain why you felt you were justified to pull the trigger. Now, you don't have to be a lawyer to be able to do this, but you do have to know your legal responsibilities when you can even pull out your firearm, let alone fire it, even if it's in self-defense. Because all it takes is one wrong move to ruin the rest of your life. And as you can see, the courtroom is a virtual minefield of possibilities of mistakes that you made without even knowing it. But understand this, your ignorance of the law is not an excuse that's going to hold up in court. The law is about the law, plain and simple. Because you own a firearm, you are expected to know those laws and you will be held accountable in having that education before you pull the trigger. Now, this can work for you or it can work against you because the reasonable man doctrine is what allows a prosecutor to pull in your frame of mind before the shooting as evidence against you, which is everything that we've been talking about here. But you can use this same doctrine to your advantage by showing the proof that you do take your legal responsibility seriously and you have taken efforts to be responsible with your weapon. You just have to understand that in order to use the doctrine of reasonableness in court, you have to be able to show that you had this knowledge before the time of the shooting. Anything you learn after the fact can't be used in court to show your prior knowledge because you didn't know it at the time. So it couldn't have influenced your legal decision to fire your weapon. Now, one way to get this knowledge is you can take a legal class that, that would back it up and you, you can get proof of your prior knowledge by going to some sort of legal class. Now, these are kind of hard to come by if you're looking locally. Um, it could be very expensive. Lawyers, I can tell you, are not cheap. Um, we also do work with some great legal educators out there like uh, Andrew Bronca's one, uh, the guys over at ccwsafe.com. Uh, just ha had them on the show. And Masad Ayub is a legend for his work and his writings showing gun owners the use of force lessons from real events that happen. In fact, Maz is going to be our featured uh, instructor for our legal self-defense fast class for our Warrior Life Academy All Access members this month. And I'm super excited to have him in there on the topic. The other thing I would suggest is that you take our Bulletproof Defense Quiz so that you really can see how real-world threat scenarios can play out. It's not there to trick you. These are real world scenarios that you could expect yourself to actually be in. And so you can get a good read on how you might respond legally to these types of situations out there. So again, you can head on over to warlife.com slash bulletproof, and that will take you over there and you can, you can check out that quiz there. But now I'd like to hear from you. So please go ahead and leave a comment, a good legal comment, a good comment, like everything I've just been telling you here. Wherever you are watching or listening to our show, whether it's the video stream that's on our social media channels like YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, or if you are listening to it as a podcast, you can go over to warriorlifepodcast.com uh, and that'll take you to a special section on our website where you can post your comments there on all of our previous episodes. Um, but I look forward to hearing what you have to say. Um, tell me, what are some other mistakes that you see other gun owners making that could land them in hot water in a courtroom. 
What are some of the the things that you've learned from from this podcast and other elements of our show and from our blog as well? I'd love to get your your feedback there. All right. And until then, I am Jeff Anderson with WarriorLife.com saying live like a warrior. You've been listening to the Warrior Life Podcast. We hope you've enjoyed the show. You can help us spread the mission of self-reliance and self-protection when you rate us. And leave us a comment wherever you enjoy these podcasts. And don't forget to check out our posts and videos on our social media channels. You'll see a full directory when you visit our website at www.warriorlife.com. We'll see you next time. This has been the Warrior Life Podcast. Prepare. Train. Survive.